What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio, and we are starting off our Witch in Time, New Book, New Moon, uh, with 2021, with an oldie but a goodie, Scott Cunningham. You know, we got a great response to Scott Cunningham before, people saying that they really loved him, they really, like, that's a person they really look up to, and it's like, yeah, why can't we go back and... Um, showcase other works that some of the greats have done. And this time we chose the Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs that was originally published in 1985. Um, you want me to just jump in? Yeah. yeah. We don't, I, I was actually thinking about this before we started recording. We don't have to do another, like, who is Scott Cunningham, right? We could, Please go watch yeah, the no, other no, no. Scott. Watch. Please go listen to the other Scott Cunningham episode if you'd like some more information <laughs> about who he was and what he did. Yeah. Yeah, because we, I, you know, we definitely, I don't remember which podcast it was, but definitely last year, um, I think it was last year. It wasn't year one. I can link it? it in the um, description. Okay, nice. So there'll be a link in the description. You can go back and hear all about the wonders that is, uh, was Scott Cunningham. So anyway, um, this book, I feel, is the granddaddy of herb books. This is the book that everybody has. Um, I don't know one witch that doesn't use this book, and there's a reason for it, because it's phenomenal. So again, you know, we're going to take it apart. Um, I want to start with the preface, and you know, me and my quotes, I love my quotes from the book. Um, the more I experienced herb magic, right, it may well be the most ancient and the most practical form of magic, and its tools grow all around us. And I thought that was such a beautiful way of putting what herb magic is, a way of explaining it, right? Um, it is the most ancient. Everybody has done it. You've probably heard somebody in your family, a grandmother or an aunt or somebody talk about a certain herb or a certain tea that they have, right? And it's true. It's all around us. And I think it's one of the things that's um, why some witches know some herbs more than others. It's what is native to where you are, what is grown naturally, what have you worked with naturally. Um, so, yeah. I, um, there's a science fiction writer. I don't know who he is. I'm sure it's a he, because it was definitely like in the 80s when this quote was said. But it's a quote that's basically like a sufficiently advanced um, technology without explanation is indistinguishable from magic. And I think that herbalism, more than any other type of magic, is really where you see that overlap of like, this is actually real. Like it's, you can show scientific evidence, but also it is magical because this more even than like, oh, we call the sun a god because we don't understand what the sun is. These herbs do have effects literally and biologically in the body and you can use them for that. And so the overlap of these herbs are used physically and these herbs are used spiritually is where you see the most overlap, I think, out of all the other magics, the other witchcrafts, with scientific discovery and, like, biological science specifically. So, for especially for people who are, like, we have a lot of baby witches who, who reach out, people who are, like, still trying to figure out how they understand spirituality, this might be a good place to start because it's the most grounded in the physical, real world. And the only thing that I would say, and I always say this when I talk about herbs, is I definitely do not encourage anybody to start ingesting herbs. There are people with allergies. I found out yesterday I was doing a conference. Well, it won't be yesterday when this airs, but, you know, um, I did a conference where I was talking about mugwort and somebody said they were allergic. Now, I wasn't suggesting the ingestion of mugwort when I was giving my talk, but it's always good to know, like, what are you familiar with what are you allergic to and to take baby yeah. steps. So I always say work with it in a magical sense, you know, make a dream pillow, make a protection satchel, um, you know, make something like that versus, okay, now yeah. I'm going to start with a tincture and I'm going to drink it. And, you know, I don't really recommend that. Um, so one thing that he makes very clear in the beginning of the book is that this is not a book with a bunch of spells, right? He did write a book in 1982 yeah. Uh, called Magical Herbalism, and that's where you can find a lot of spells and things to do. This is really the book that you want to have. Um, I mean, if you want to do spells, I would say you need both books. I think that this is a good, the other book is a good book to start with. But this is a book that you just need, period, if you're going to get into herbs. I mean, even if you're not even thinking that you're going to get into herbs. 
it gives me the same vibes as the uh, the Sigil Witchery book, where it's like, this is such mm. a great resource that you yep. want to have it in your personal library so that you can just grab it out and be like, ooh, let me just check this thing and that thing. Um, and I think that this book is great because it also allows you to build your own spells. You know, especially as you yes. become, you can't be a baby witch forever. At some point, you're going to start doing your own thing. And this is great to have to be like, all right, well, I want to make a dream pillow, but I want to make my dream pillow. What am I going right. to put into it? Um, he also makes it a point of saying, and this is a direct quote, those who seek destructive magic within these pages will be disappointed. None exists here for such magic leads to its user's destruction. And I think this is really important as we talk about magic. And I think we're going to go deeper. We're going to dive deeper into these subjects this season. Um, you know, we may joke about hexing and whatnot, but the truth is the deeper you get into something that's dark, the deeper you just live in darkness and negativity, you're going to become a receptacle for it as well. So what's the point, right? So that's all I want to say about that. Do you want to dive? Part one, the power of herbs. Yeah, right into the basics. Oh, I have a lot of feelings. Yes, tell me. What are your feelings? So I think the power of herbs, this chapter really resonated to me as like Scott Cunningham describing his personal ideology around herbalism. And I don't necessarily like to describe my magic or my witchcraft in the way that he describes it. I don't love the idea of like, you know, the, everything is the life force and we're taking the power from the life force and that sort of thing. Mm. I tend to use energy because I find it to be like more neutral and a little bit more separated from that concept. Um, but I, I'm getting better, I think, as the podcast goes on at not being like mad at people for having different opinions. <laughs> But I do think that that's a really important thing as you read those first couple of paragraphs because, like, the basis of herb magic and all magic is the power. The power is that which, generate, which generated and maintains the universe. In other words, the power is the life force, the stuff of creation, the very substance of existence itself. Sit with that for a little bit. Figure out where you lie on that spectrum because... I do think that it is essential to understand why you are doing the things that you are doing and not just like wholeheartedly take other people's practices and like put them on like a, like a, you know, a t-shirt or something. Um, I don't, I'm not like mad about it, but I don't personally align myself with that terminology. And so I had to take a step back and be like, all right, how can I conceptualize this myself? Well, he does say, right. Um, Magic is the practice of causing change through the use of powers as yet not defined or accepted by science. As yet not defined. So yeah, I think he sense. leaves... Yeah, I think he leaves it open. So when he says life force, it is that thing not defined yet. So he yeah. leaves it open for this idea that it will be defined. And I think it's something that a lot of witches say. You know, what we do, there is a science to it. Do we have a word for it? Do we have a way to explain it? Not yet. Not not ever. Not yet. And I think yeah, I think that would be great if at some point there was a witch who was in the sciences who said, you know what? I found it. This is what it actually is. It is a reaction of blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think for right now, that's the term he uses because he's got to choose a term. And I yes. think by saying life force, what I like about using the term life force is, okay, so if we're witches and we're going to be respectful – then you have to realize that this plant is alive. And you know how they say always leave at least 25% of the plant still there because it could still flourish and keep growing. You don't want to destroy something to then use it. So I think that if he says life force, it makes you more aware of it's alive, you're alive, be respectful of it. It should be, you know, things yeah. should be respectful of you. Um, so I think that's, I think he chose those words very carefully so that we are aware of what we're doing. So that it doesn't become something that's rote, you know? I'm just going to go into the garden and just dig up everything or cut everything down. No, think about yeah. it, right? You want to take the life force. So if you take it, if you look at it that way, since we don't have another term for it yet, I think it gives us pause. It gives us a, a moment to think about it, you know? I think that's fair because he does, after giving us his definition of magic, which I think is one of the best definitions of magic we've seen so far, 
he then goes on to explain that you can cause change in a variety of ways and that you shouldn't just automatically do the magic. You know, his example is really good. You know, I can call my friend on the phone and be like, hey, hey, Scorpio, how are you doing today? How you been? And if Scorpio doesn't answer, oh, maybe then I'll grab my pendulum and be like, hey, is Scorpio okay? But your, your first right. thought doesn't always have to be, I'm going to do a spell for this. Right. And I think it's something that we've mentioned, right? Before you do a spell yeah. to do something to somebody, right? To bind somebody, maybe you call your congressman first. Maybe you do all these things. And then at the end yeah. you go, and now for my finale, I am going to, right? Yes. There's nothing like practicing the mundane to get things done. I feel like Darren Stevens. Did you ever watch Bewitched? You never watched Bewitched. It was always on Nickelodeon. Was it Nickelodeon? Nick at Night. Nick at Night. Nick Nick at night. Night, yeah. I watched it, but I didn't like re- retain any of it. So what I retained of it is that um, I hated Samantha. I loved Endora and Sabrina. <laughs> no, Serena. Sorry, Serena. Because they were like, this is who we are. Accept it. And Darren was always like, don't do magic in the house. You know, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. he would always say, like, why use magic if you can do... So I hate to, like, I was talking about how you have to do, like, mundane things. And then I'm like, oh, yes. God, I sound like Darren Steven, who I hate. Although I like the first Darren, not the second. Just, you know, to put it out there. Second Darren, it all went downhill for me. Just didn't like him. Yeah. That's all. Uh, even, even though it was the second Darren, I think they went to Salem, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was him. It was the That's second Darren that did the Salem episode. Actually, very funny. I'm sure that, like, the whole Andorra and Serena, like, this is who we are, this is what we do thing is probably, like, more of a metaphor for, like, accepting people who are different than you. But I do think it's very mm-hmm. funny that, like, in the modern witchcraft movement, we're like, actually, Darren might have had a good point. The guy <laughs> who was, like, very, like, anti-witch, his point actually might have been okay. <laughs> Yeah, like, just use a doorknob. You don't have to, like, use all this energy to, like, you know, go through the door when you can just I'm use just a doorknob. I'm just imagining, like, like a, yeah. It's like, it's like D&D. It's like every party gets stuck at a door, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to pick the lock. I'm going to, um, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to use a spell. And then the DM is like, actually, the door was open the whole time. You could have just, you could just <laughs> turn the doorknob and open it. That's, that's what we're like when we do spells for shit that we should be doing, like, mundane stuff for. Um, He does make a good comment, though. He's like, magic is useful for solving other common problems, but it becomes indispensable when dealing with occult matters. And that's kind of, I think, the vibe we want everybody to take from this, is, like, use your herbs in a magical way, especially to start with. Don't don't eat them just yet. (laughs) Focus on it being a spiritual, occult, magical thing first. Yeah, I also think that he um, he does say there's science here, right? He talks about power and the vibrational rates, right? And he says vibrational oh, yeah. rate is determined by several factors, chemical makeup, form, density, etc., right? Powers in herbs are determined by a plant's habitat, scent, color, form, etc. So, you know, when he talks about the power, he's really talking about the scientific makeup of what is in a plant and where it comes from yeah. um, more than he's like trying to ascribe some kind of woo woo to it. So I think it's really nice. Like the, the balance I think in this, at uh, the beginning of the book um, and throughout the book of, you know, the magic, the science, you know, it all kind of yeah. comes together very nicely. He does say yeah. um, that the power behind the herbs doesn't care whether you call on it in the name of a witch goddess or the Virgin Mary, or tap into it with no religious framework at all. And so automatically I was like, yes, love this. We love space for a secular framework. Right. Because he says the power is inside the herb. Exactly. Right. It doesn't come from outside. You don't have to like bless it. Like, you know, Athena doesn't have to come down and bless it because this herb is going to be just as powerful with a blessing or without a blessing. Right. It doesn't need it. So yeah, it's really good. Now, again, that's not to say that you don't want to take, and he does put it in the book, uh, the deities that, you know, it is associated with, that a certain herb is associated with. So that if you do want to take it to that realm, you can, but I think he wants to make witches, even spiritual witches, very conscious of the fact that, Okay, the herb is good by itself. It's been good forever by itself without 
yeah. ascribing a, a deity to it. So I think that's important. I really like his discussion of, um, first, there must be a reason to call upon magical powers. This reason oh, the is steps. a need. Yeah. He says, a desire often masquerades as a need, but in magic, a desire is not enough. I, I, I would get that tattooed on me. That shit's powerful. <laughs> I'm not literally going to do it, but, like, I thought about it. Because I do think a lot of times, and, like, I absolutely have done the same thing where, like, oh, you know, I really want it. I want this. And so then I'm like, oh, I'll do a spell. I'll, I'll attract it to me. Why? Why? Sometimes you just got to take a step back and be like, is this a thing that I really need? Is this a thing that is fulfilling and makes my life better and improves the quality of my life and the lives of others? Or am I just being <laughs> brainwashed by the capitalist agenda to think that I need certain things? Yeah. And I would like to point out as we're careening headfirst into February, um, this is also true with love spells. Do you need to attract yeah. someone like why can't you you know and, and of course you could be sitting there going oh, okay of course the two of you are going to say that you're both in relationships and you know whatever but I've never felt I needed to be in a relationship it's nice to be in a relationship if the relationship is the good one right I'm happy in Real my talk, relationship I have I have felt like I needed to be in relationships and every time I felt like I needed to be in a relationship the relationship that followed was toxic and incredibly bad for me. And I had to spend years unlearning the behaviors that I learned in it. So I think that the idea that you're going to do magic to attract love is, it's not safe if you're not in the headspace where love is just like, something that benefits, it's like a nice thing to have. If you're in the headspace where like, I need to be in a relationship, I need to be loved, I need to feel validated by another person, you do not need a love spell, you need a therapy spell. You need a spell that finds you a therapist. <laughs> and I say that like with love, I've done the same shit. I didn't, I didn't do love spells. I did spells to help attract positive energy into my life. But I never, like, framed them as love spells. But, like, don't do not do it. It's not a good idea. It's a bad idea. Every time somebody is, like, in the DMs being like, oh, how do I how do I do a love spell? How do I get my partner to stay with me? How do I make this man love me? The answer is don't. Don't do it. It's not a need. It's a you want. Know, it's a desire. But I think in society we do have a problem with distinguishing a need from a want, which is really a first world problem yes. when you think about it. Um, and which is also like when we talk about, I'm looking around my desk right now, trying to figure out how many decks of things I have. Um, I have about eight decks and different spots on my, de on my desk. And the thing is, we always say, I need this deck. I may have, I don't know how many decks and I'll go, oh, I need this one. No, I don't need it. Mm -hmm. I want this deck. And I think we treat relationships and people almost like we treat our things like I need this yeah you know um and I don't I, I guess I just don't I, I always say I need stuff and I know I don't need it but I will say it like do I need another piece of jewelry from blood milk yes I do and anybody who tells me I don't need it can it's just they're toxic they're toxic and I don't need their negative the energy worst. in my life <laughs> And that's what I do. Same thing with a deck. When I say I need this deck, you know, luckily my friends all agree. Yes, you need that deck. Why? Because they're they're hoarders too. We're, so we're terrible. We really are terrible. We never discourage each other from getting a deck, even though we know it's not going to get used after a while. Just do you like, know what's really funny? Um, so one of the things about my incredibly ADHD ass is that I use shopping for like serotonin. So sometimes if I'm like really, really bored or like understimulated or like not enough stuff is going on, I will just buy a bunch of shit. And I always lie to myself. I'm like, I need this. Sometimes I straight up am buying like really responsible shit. Like, oh, one time I bought a Brita filter, like one of those Brita pill pitchers. Because so like, oh, you know, having filtered water is so much better for you. Like, I'm going to drink more water having bought this. Did I? No. I still drink water bottles. I'm still recycling plastic water bottles like an asshole. So I now have a little spreadsheet that I keep 
because I have to, every time I make a purchase, be like, did I need this? Yes or no. Did I need this? Yes or no. Because otherwise, I just be buying things. I just be buying yeah. things. Do I need another crystal? Never. Never. Will I buy one? Probably. Well, but now one thing to help with the crystals, and I guess it helped to a certain extent with the decks, you know, crystals are being taken out of the earth. Do we really need to be mining the earth as much as we do to get these crystals that we don't actually need? I really don't have that many crystals. And the ones that I do, I have to admit, I work with. Like, they, they're my crystals. I feel like I have to be very conscious about when I get them. Yeah. I don't know. I will tell you this, people who work from home. So I had a department meeting this week. And because I work from my desk, I basically pulled one of my decks, my Lenormand decks, and I just would choose somebody in the room, in the virtual room, and I would just read them. I was just asking questions and reading them. This is something you're never supposed to do without someone's consent. But you know what? I just decided I was going to pry into their lives. And I felt like Gemini in that moment. Because like Gemini gives yeah, no, zero, zero fucks. She does not care at all. Whereas I'm like, no, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And then I said, you know what? 2021, I got a little bit of Gemini energy. And I was just like reading oh, people. No. <laughs> oh, and by the way, somebody caught me because I was like shuffling and they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, Re and I said reading people. That I'm reading people. Um, maybe you need that. to like, you know, shield yourself because you don't know who's doing what. Just a little message. Just a little, I mean, that's you know, true. PSA. You should be shielding during your uh, Zoom meetings because if there's a witch there it. and she's bored, which she, you, you know, I usually am. Um, I start reading people because I just thought, why not? I love that we had this conversation because I literally underlined I highlighted the desire often masquerades as a need. And then I highlighted his, it's like two sentences later, attracting love, for example, is a common magical need. And I wrote, let's discuss. So I love that we immediately jumped into how love is not a need. Um, you know, it's a 1985 book. So I understand why people have like a different concept of that. But I do, I agree with you wholeheartedly that I do think sometimes we treat relationships like commodities like a thing that you can procure and that increases your status as opposed to like spending time really having that like soul to soul connection between two individuals. And here's the other thing. If you're not in a, in a romantic relationship, how about strengthening the bonds with people who love you? You know, whether that's yeah. your, you know, biological family or your chosen family, you know, those friends that are your ride or die, like just, you know, strengthen that relationship. That's love. And that's pure love. And that's, you know, um, I remember when um, I was going through my divorce from my first husband and talking to a friend of mine and he was like, you know, I'm, and I've known him forever. He's like, I'm never going to judge you. Like, do you think I'm judging you? And, you know, we don't think about saying these things, but when we do say that to each other and we realize that like the love is unconditional, does it get better than that? I don't think so. Like, no matter what happens in my romantic life, I've got this love from people. And that's important. So we're not trying to say love is not important. That you don't need it. We're social creatures. We need love. But we're talking about romantic love. Yeah. And I think that especially for Americans, there's this like deification of romantic love. Like romantic love is the pinnacle. It's everything you could ever need. Your life is fixed by romantic love. And like, no. No, <laughs> platonic love is just as valuable. Familial love yeah. is just as valuable. Being seen and respected and validated by other people is going to be valuable for you whether you're having sex with that person or not. Right. Right, like end Absolutely. of story. I don't so, even remember what step that is. Is that step number one? That was step one. We were still on step one. So step two, okay. a spell or ritual <laughs> needs uh, to be created. Um or be simple or complex, can be simple or complex. So you do need to do a spell or ritual, um, I guess, to manifest or to really hone in on your intention. But it doesn't have to be some complex, you know, pull all the stops out to do. Yeah. He does tell um, us that he's got some all-purpose spells in a later chapter. It's a short chapter. Yeah. So, like, if you're looking at this book for spells don't he's got another book specifically for herbal spells but there are a couple in here if you need like some inspiration 
Yeah, and he does give you suggestions along the way too, even if it's not a full-on yeah. spell. So it's it's really helpful. Uh, three is herbs can be enchanted to ensure that their vibrations are attuned to the need. So here we go. So it's, it seems almost like a little bit of a contradiction between the herbs, they're good by themselves and you can enchant them. But I think it's more about making sure that it it's honed in, right? You know what the herb is good for, but yeah. now really concentrate on getting that energy into whatever it is you need. Um, and it says the spell is worked in complete confidence and secrecy. Um, you know what's funny about that? Even when it's not a spell, if I'm up to something, I don't tell a lot of people. That's like, because you're a Scorpio. No, but here's the thing. There are vibes and there are vibes. Like, I know if I tell you something, like if I have something planned and you know there's something that I'm working on, um, I know that like you're happy for me, like not low key happy and high key jealous. You are just all that's all around happy for me. People aren't always yeah. like that, and you know it. They're, they'll say to you, "Oh, that's so great," but in the back of their minds, right, it comes back to them somehow. Like, how come I'm not doing that? Or why is she doing that? Or who does she think she is? Or you know what? And all of a sudden, like that energy is being sent to you. They don't mean to send it to you, but they're sending it to you. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's why to me, it's like, forget a spell, definitely a spell, but big plans that you have, you know, are you applying for a new job? Um, Don't tell everybody that energy goes out there, you know, pick and choose who you know you can tell that are really, truly going to be happy for you. So I think that makes sense to me, but Cunningham takes it a step further in the fifth step, and he says, once the spell has been worked, it should be forgotten. This allows it to cook and bring your need into manifestation. Attempt to forget the spell completely. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm not one of those witches. Why? I do not... Because, so, first of all, the example that he gives is, when baking a cake, if you open the oven a lot, then the cake will be spoiled. In magic, as in cooking, keep the oven door shut. The problem is, if I forget about the cake, it burns. <laughs> right? Like, if I just, if I bake, if I put all the ingredients together and I put the cake in the oven and then I go, all right, time to forget that I've done it at all completely forever, the, the cake is equally spoiled. Um, I think, and this is, this is definitely a modern witchcraft take. Like, I didn't do witchcraft when... Cunningham was around I don't know what it was like before this but like modern witchcraft relies really heavily on intention and manifestation if you forget your intentions and you forget the things that you're trying to manifest then you are not doing the work as an individual to support that intention and that manifestation so if I say to you you know what I'm gonna work out I'm going to work out every day this year and I write, I do a big manifestation spell. I write it down. I burn it. I make a, a little sachet, right, of herbs that are supposed to help me want to move my body. And then I decide, oop, okay, I did that. I've forgotten about it. You still have to, you have to do the stuff. You have to actively do the stuff. You can't just assume that because you've done two spells that now you're going to work out every single day. There are still going to be days where you're like, I don't want to do this. You still have to actively participate in your own life. Do you know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. Okay, so let's tweak what he said. So I think doing a spell and forgetting about it is the same as making the cake, taking the cake out of the oven, frosting the cake. All this is your spell, right? So the spell begins with gathering the ingredients and cooking them and then taking them out mm -hmm. and frosting it and then eating it. Once you've eaten it, you have ingested your intention. You have decided you wanted this cake, so you made the cake and you ate the cake. When that's done, you finished. Like there's no more thinking about the cake. You did it, you ate it. So I think that's what he's thinking about with the spell. Once you've done it, and I know, I know what you're saying about the, I'll get to that in a second, the, the whole, you still have mm -hmm. to work out. Once you've done the spell 
And, you know, even think about the spell. I do a lot of candle work. I can't just forget that I did it. I'll burn my house down. There's a good chance you could burn your house down. So, yes, at some point you have to either snuff the candle out or put the candle in the bathtub to let it keep burning or whatever. So you are still mindful of the spell. I think he's talking about when it's completely done. You have completely done it. Now you have to just feel the effects of the spell. When it comes to working out, I think that's going to be a little bit different because that's not a... You know, if you did a spell for to get a job, like once you do the interview and once you write your thank you email or thank you letter, like what else are you going to do? Stalk the place, stand in front of the building so that they see you and they want you? Like you can't do that. Um, I think an exercise spell is probably the one that's really different. I think that's the one that's I think the exception the to the difference rule. In, the difference in language that I want to present, instead of forgetting, you need to internalize Yes. Right. So that like when you're doing a job spell, yeah, if you do the job spell and you get an interview and send your thank you letter, boom, you're done. But if you do the job spell and you don't get an interview, okay, there are things you need to internalize. How have I modified my application process? How can I modify my application process? Right. There are, there's still stuff you have to do. So yeah. I don't disagree that like, yeah, like don't, do not think about the cake, right? You, you shouldn't be like guilty for eating the cake or like think about what you put into like, yes, stop thinking about the cake, but internalize the process. Did I do something when I was baking the cake that is now I can incorporate into future cakes? Or do I now know that I like the flavor of vanilla? And that's a thing that is going to be important to me. Like you have to, it has to become a part of you, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. So maybe it's just the choice, the phrasing. You know, I think we all imagine things differently. So I think that's, yeah. I think he means the same thing that we're talking about. I think it's just the example was kind of weird. Um, he also yeah, says a that lot he of warns. Cakes. Yeah, I know. I've yet Sorry. to have any, but that's okay. So he warns of the negative uses <laughs> and the consequences. He says you need to recognize the great responsibility of wielding magic. And I yeah. think this is the part nobody wants to listen to. I don't think anybody wants to think that it's, you know, it's responsible. It's cool to wield magic. And it's it's really yeah. not. It really is, you know, like with anything, like even with cooking. If we're going to go back to the cooking metaphor, you don't just close your eyes and start chopping things because it's fun. Like you have to watch what you do when you're going to cut off your fingers. Yeah. You know? Okay. I'm about to have a hot take. Oh, here we go. I feel like we need like I music think... for this. Like whenever you say I'm going to have a hot take, I need to have like a... I know. Like, like a little... A jingle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I think that there has been, and I, again, we're American. I'm talking about America. I don't really have context for the rest of the world because I have never left the country except I think to go to Canada one time. There's this push for like the individual, this like just drastic individualism in America that I think has been really toxic because people don't think about the way that their actions affect other people and even go so far as to be upset when they have to consider other people. Um, and I see, I, I mean, I remember being in high school and thinking that I see it in high schoolers, let alone seeing it in adults. And so when you grow up being told that you are the only person that matters to you and that you have to take care of yourself and no one else is going to take care of you, uh, 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 it makes sense that when you get a hold of magic, you're like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Who cares? This is mine. Yeah. I have the power now. I can I can make the life that I want. And like, sometimes I just feel like I need to look at people and be like, hey, it's not bad to give a shit about other people. It's mm. not, you're not less good. It doesn't take away from your inherent powerfulness. Um just because shitty people exist doesn't mean that every human being is shitty and that you should assume the worst about everyone. You're allowed to give a shit and you should give a shit. And if that means that you don't get to do the spell that like gives you a million dollars and makes, you know, everybody worship you. Oh no. God forbid. Like sometimes you just have to like look in the mirror and recognize that you are a human being and everyone else around you is human beings. And even if you hate every single one of them, 
We are all fundamentally connected by the fact that we want to live a comfortable life and not suffer. And why would you put suffering on other people just so you could be a little bit happier? Yep. Yeah. Having said that, I feel like that's not a hot take at all, but it felt like a hot take in my brain. <laughs> well, that's all that matters. America is so messed up that I said that and went, yeah, this is a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the book. Now, what I love that he said is something that I have said, we have said a bunch of times, right? He says that um, timing is important, but magic is to be used when it's needed. So yeah, yes. if you want to look at the moon and the stars and the seasons and what's going on, awesome. But, and I even said this at my conference, you know, some people are like, should I follow the moon phases? It'll give you an extra punch. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but if you need a spell now, I'm not going to wait, you know, another two weeks for the full moon. Like I, I need it now. What am I doing? You know, so I like that he said that because I feel like, you know, he's somebody, whereas we're just, you know, two people just you saying. You should follow that, you know? the moon phases because the podcast comes out on the new moon and the full moon. And if you don't know when the moon phases are, you don't know when our podcast is coming out. Well, that's true. Yeah, but that's pretty easy, the new <laughs> and full moon, because everybody talks about the new moons and the full moons and all that's that. That's true. Um, yeah, Instagram really does not shut good, up about them. I know, right? He talks about the altar and visualization. And I immediately thought of you, right? He says, forming a yes. picture in your mind of your need. And I'm like, okay, Gemini cannot visualize. And I thought of something. I, Wait, I thought of something right now. Just going to try it. Okay. Just first okay. of all, relax. I'm going to ask you a question okay. I need you to just totally relax. <laughs> okay. Don't get stressed about uh -huh. visualizing. Okay. So right now, mm -hmm. can you picture your fiance? What he looks like. Okay, so here's the thing. My brain knows what he looks like and like Right. I know what he looks like, but all I see is like a little like a, a there's like a yellowish circle um where there's light coming from one side and then there's a slightly smaller yellowish circle on the bottom right of my closed eyes vision where there's light coming from another side. So I don't fit I do not see at all it's just black but like i okay. i know do you know what i mean this doesn't make any sense i hope somebody else experiences this and can message us about it but like i see because when, when i was I reading say, this like, that was oh, the thing that i uh like if i was going to imagine my mom i know exactly yeah. what my mom looks like i know right i i i don't see it though like i see it but there's no image I mean, I'm wondering if you do visualize and you're expecting it to be something else. Like if I close my eyes, right? Like, yeah, I'm just seeing darkness. But I can also construct my mom's face. Like in my brain, I am seeing it. It's There's not like I'm seeing it. But the way. Like I, I see the mic in front image? of me. I mean, yes and no. Like, it's not the same as me staring at the mic. I am staring right yes. now, right, at the mic. If I close I my eyes, I'm not really looking at it, but I can recreate it. And I can, it's a way I can kind of still see it, but I'm not seeing it the way I see it with my eyes, if that makes any sense. It's not going to look the same. It's not like a picture running through I, my brain like that. But here's the thing. If there's no image, you also yeah. can't visualize. Yes, because... <laughs> that's what do you the, mean like that's no the distinction like if you can't if you can't close your eyes and f like literally make an image of whatever quality right it doesn't have to be good but if there's no image you also are like you also can't visualize no listen to me when i see okay so now i open my eyes and i'm looking at my phone and i'm staring at you looking really distraught okay that is really clear it's, it's crystal clear i'm seeing it Yes. And this is going to be wrong because I'm not saying this in scientific terms. It's just in a way that I can kind of explain it with like, let's say the front part of my brain because where my eyes are, right? But if I close my eyes, yes. I can see you, but it's like a different part of my brain reconstructing it. It's not like looking at a picture. It's not like a dream where you're really, really seeing. Okay, but then sense? here's the thing. I think that what we have just determined is that you also cannot visualize Yes, I can. I think that I think that you have created a process for yourself that allows you to 
replicate visualization. But like, remember we had that little diagram that it was like, which one do you see? That was literal. It wasn't a metaphor. Which one do you see when you close your eyes? What do you see? I mean, you close your eyes, you don't see crap. I mean, that's, it's, it's a different part of your brain that's visualizing. Because when you close your but eyes, you see with image? your eyes. Oh my God, girl, you're making me, no- okay, we're going to have to have a whole podcast on visualization because this is making me crazy. And actually, yes, we we're going to have a whole meeting, which space is having a meeting about visualization because cancer is going to take us through a whole thing. And now, like, I'm really curious to know what people see when they visualize. All right, let's just keep going with this book because I'm getting, like, freaked out. Okay, magical principles. That's something else that he talks about. Um, and I had marked it on here. Oh, wait, before we jump ahead, I want to talk about the altar really quick. Okay, yeah. Because I have a question for you. Okay. Is your altar primarily religious or primarily for witchcraft? Both. I mean, okay. I don't, I don't know how else to answer that. Like, so my altar is my focal point. Um, which is really funny because when I do office hours with my students, since we're working from home, I realize where I place the computer. I just realized this on Friday. They can actually see my, <laughs> my altar oh, no. behind me. Yeah. I'm not changing it. So, um, it's my focal point. So I will go there for our daily devotion. That's where the statues of my God and goddess are, but it's also a workspace. Now, when I go outside, um, I have a traveling altar, right? Because I'm not going to move my big statues. I already broke one yeah. of them once, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not doing that again. So I have little statues that go outside and do all that, and that becomes the focal point of my ceremony. Like it's, you know. So I guess it's both. Okay, my altar that I like I'm looking at right now is exclusively for witchcraft. Um, like I don't, I don't have anything that's like explicitly dedicated to any gods or that's like where I offer anything to them. Um, so I just think it's a really interesting distinction. And like the word altar can kind of be used in a variety of different ways. So like if your altar is primarily just to honor your gods, that's totally fine. But if your altar is just a workspace, that's also totally fine. I, that It was something that, like, when I read it, he makes the comment that, like, it's a work table, but I like the sound of altar, but altar has, like, a religious connotation. So I just wanted to, like, say out loud to our listeners that, like, yeah, I think altar has kind of modified its definition through the witchcraft community over time. And at this point, it refers to a number of different things. So your altar might be different than my altar, might be different than Scorpio's altar, but that's okay. And, you know, it's okay to have different altars. I know witches that have, like, their primary altar with their deities, and then they have different working altars yeah. that are for different things or different seasons or different Sabbaths. So I think it all depends on how you like to work. I like to change things on my altar depending on the different Sabbaths, but I don't always change things. Um, I kind of, like, yeah. feel my way through my altar, what I think is feels good. I don't know. So he's got magical principles on here. And what I think is interesting is that up until this point, his take has been both secular and maybe a little bit religious sprinkled in. And then we look at the magical mm-hmm. principles. So first magic is natural. Yeah. That's what he's been saying all along, right? It's in the natural world. It's all around us Two, harm none, not even yourself though it through its use. So any harm none, do what you will. That's kind of like what that reminds me of. Um, and I think whether you're Wiccan or not, I think that's a good thing to put in there. I think when we think about not harming anybody, we don't really think that anything we do could possibly be harming us in the process. And you should be thinking about how this is affecting me. Yeah. I don't know. I circled I circled most of them, actually, because I was like, okay. I don't think I use most of these things. So. Okay, which ones do you use? Like, so the next one is... What? I, I, I literally left one, three... Eight and ten. Those are the ones you use. Everything else is circled. Yeah. Okay, so one is magic is natural. You don't care about harming anybody. 
Three is magical oh, well, cards. Well, I don't necessarily use eight. Into it. <laughs> but I like eight. Oh, you like it. Okay, so let's just... Oh, so magic requires yeah. effort. That one you liked. And I agree. You receive what you put into it. Yeah, you can't just do the magic. And especially in the beginning. Okay, and that's one thing we didn't talk about with the set it and forget it um, idea yeah. that he has. Is that when you're starting, you really shouldn't forget it. Because you should write down what you did. Um, did it work? Mm -hmm. If it didn't, why do you think it didn't work? So I think there's a lot of reflection that if you just set it and forget it. I think really what he wants to say is don't obsess over it you've done it you're going to see yes. results or not but i think you do need that reflective piece so that whole idea of you know it requires effort yes so you should take good notes and you know be conscious of what the effects were so that you can either replicate it or change it magic should not be performed for pay um oh so you don't you like that one we should get paid I have a complicated relationship to that one, and I don't feel mm -hmm. comfortable making that a rule that, like, I I wouldn't put that in a book that I wrote that says, like, this is a principle you need to follow. I think that that's something that needs to be, like, that that could be its own podcast episode in and of itself. Like, that's a, a really, that's a big statement to make, you know? Okay. I've been paid for stuff. Mostly, I mean, it's mostly divination, but, like, I just don't, I don't want to say, like, if this is the way that you're going to make your income, that that's not allowed. Because it's a capitalist hellscape, and, like, if you need to survive, you need to survive, you know? Yeah, I think that we have to start being paid for our time and our energy and our knowledge. So if you know how to do yeah. things, and this is going to take you a really long time to do, you know, yeah, I don't see anything wrong notice that i'm having difficulty getting the words out um yeah i think that if it's your business well yeah that's your business so you have to if you don't you can't pay the rent if your job is to do these spells then yes you have to do them or you won't pay the rent i think there's something about everybody accepting money for everything that you can do i don't accept yeah. money for any spells that i've done for people if it's going to be very expensive, the things that I need for it, and if I, you know, don't have the money or whatever, I at least ask people to buy buy this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, or I will say to them, like, here, like, this cost me this much. You know, I'm not going to go broke because people want stuff for me either. So if you if you need something very detailed or specific, then I'll give you the receipt and just pay me back for the items that I used. But, you know, I, but yeah. again, I don't do it as my primary job. So I think... More needs to be said about that. You're right. This is something we could talk about because I kind of agree with this. That, But I think it also goes back to is it a need or is it a want? And with everybody just wanting spells to fix their lives, yeah. like it can get crazy. I've been asked for a lot of weird things and I'm just like, uh, no. Like, come on now. Yeah. Like you said, get a therapist. Leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> magic should never be used in jest or to inflate your ego. I'm not really sure how you use magic in jest. I mean, so send you a joke spell? In, like, I don't know what that means. First of all, am I going to do that? Yes, I've just decided. I'm finding a way to do that, and I'm going to do that. Um, for me, I immediately thought, I follow this um, woman on Tumblr. I have not really been on Tumblr in years, but it's like Ask Secular Witch. And she has a spell, and it's called the Peach Cobbler spell. And it is a spell to get Peach Cobbler in a week. And it's a real spell, like it works, people get Peach Cobbler, but it's also like, at this point, a joke. You know, people reblog it and like bring it back from the dead, but that doesn't make it any less functional of a spell. It still works for a lot of people. So just because it is a funny thing that we share, that sometimes like, like I could cast the Peach Cobbler spell for you and be like, haha, now she's going to get Peach Cobbler, but that doesn't make it not a spell. You know, just because it's funny doesn't make it not that, a spell. Well, no, but is that really what we should be doing? In other words, if this is a serious thing and we want to be taken seriously, should we be doing jokey spells to get things or should we actually, you know? I think that also could be another podcast episode because I, I don't think that's a, I don't have a problem with it, you know? Yeah. That could be a pot. Okay, so we have a couple of... So basically, Scott Cunningham is going to fill up our, uh, our I love topics. It. Okay. 
Um, where are we? Magic is not usually instantaneous. Did I just skip? I just skipped to six. Yeah. Why did I skip to six? You just Spells skipped four, time to is be... all. Okay. Spells require time to be effective. Yeah, I don't think sometimes that... Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes I think sometimes no. you can cast a spell that works pretty immediately. Magic can be worked for your own gain, but only if it harms none. Um, yeah, I like that. You don't. I circled it because I don't like the but only if it harms none, but I think our listeners know why I don't like that, so... Okay, so, but not for nothing, like, the vegan is okay. Get, get out of here. Stop driving your car. All right. Yeah, but I'm Magic. Not... <laughs> we're doing an episode. I don't know when we're doing it. We're doing it this year. The episode is going to be called and harm ye none and we're just gonna hash it out okay i love that okay we're gonna do that that's done okay write it down (laughs) magic is a divine act okay that seems a little much and do you know what the funny thing is i i didn't circle that because i like the statement even if i don't agree with it i i mean magic is a serious act yeah magic is a thoughtful act right you should have intention and thought and and, you know, contemplation, but divine is like, I mean, if we're Very, going back to the power, yeah, the unknown power, then I guess, yes, I guess divine is another way to put it. Maybe magic can be used for defense, but should never be used for attack. That's a big one. That's, that's in that podcast. Yeah. That's in that podcast for sure. Yeah, okay. So, all right. Um, you know, what's really funny. So the few times that I've been really upset, and I've said, that's it. I'm just going to hex this person. It's always been the craziest of the Scorpios who's been like, don't do that. Like the that's one that's like, I got this. I got, mm-hmm. it, she's the one who's like, no, don't, don't. I'm like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do a girl. <laughs> I was just TikTok thinking about ones. it. Yeah. I'm just thinking about <laughs> it. Okay. I did it. Um, all right. Magic is knowledge. Not only of its ways and laws, but also of its effectiveness. Do not believe that magic works. Know it. And I think that's key. When you go in with, I, I think yeah. so. I think this is going to work. You're like dipping your toe. You're not swimming if you're dipping your toe. You're just dipping your toe. To swim, you got to be all in. You have to just jump so, in the water. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And the last one is magic is love. All magic should be performed out of love. Um, and I think that that... I'm going to say, if we have to change it, magic should be performed out of calm, right? Yes. Um, because, and I think anything we do, when we're all worked up, that's it. I'm going to tell this person, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, shh. Don't do anything until you can calmly talk about the subject that's bothering you. Yeah. Now, do what you got to do. And I think that's the same thing with magic. So I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, so we should really get into the the plants. He talks about different things you can do, different enchantments, um, like doing sachets and poppets and uh, baths, ointments, oils. So that's really good. Um, And then he's got some four all-purpose spells, and they deal with the elements, right? The earth, fire, water, and air. And then after he's done that, I think that's when we get into the herbs. Oh, he also has one for exorcism, healing, health. So he has different magical intentions, which I think is good. Yeah, but again, so chapter three it's not really tells you yeah. the procedures. That's like what you do. Chapter four mm-hmm. is the intentions. So like what you are thinking or what is guiding your spell work. Mm-hmm. And then we yeah. go right into the herbs. So he does tell us different things. So we have the common name, scientific name, the folk name, right? The gender, um, the element it's assigned to, the deities, what powers it has. Um, ritual uses, and then magical uses. And that's for every single herb that he has in here. And it's a so, big book. Like, it's 24 to 265 is the herbs. Right. And he even has some drawings in here of the herbs, which I think is awesome. Um, he does specify some things are poison, and so you should not eat those. If it says poison next to it, please don't put it in your body. Please? Well, you know, and some of them, it's really not good to have around, period, even to smell yeah. them or to touch them. The good thing about poison herbs is that if you go to an herbal shop, you don't have to worry about, oh, my God, is this poisonous? Chances are they don't have it. 
Um, yeah. There are some things that are slightly poisonous or are poisonous to animals. And if you have pets, you definitely need to um, ask. So if you're not sure and like you go to buy something and you forgot to write down how poisonous it is, or even if he doesn't mention it, but you want to double check, by going to an herbal shop versus just buying herbs anywhere, you can ask them. You can yeah. say, I have cats, I have pets, I have small kids. You know, what are the chances? are? And they can tell you like, you know what, maybe you should try to use blank. So um, that's a great thing about going to an herbal shop like Flower Power that we love that's in New York yes. because we can go in there and not even know any of these things but know the intention, know how we want to use them and they will be happy to talk to us about all of these things. But um, I think that is very important to note because some of them are not yeah. highly poisonous but slightly dangerous. So, you know, And that's page a good 266 thing to know. in our edition is the health codes. Mm -hmm. So he includes you know, little um, abbreviations that will inform you, hey, this might not be poisonous, but do not in do not ingest this if you have asthma. Do not ingest this right. if you are a child. It, it will give you constipation. It may disturb your digestive system. There's and mm -hmm. really just an incredible amount of detail in the health codes and in the book. He's got a whole section of appendices in the back, um, you know, a glossary, understandably, gender distinction which like use if you want to get rid of if you don't gender is wibbly wobbly and no pressure um there's even a section on mail order supplies well that is probably really outdated what i was going to say about gender is it is that part is woefully outdated but i think it's important that we know how people have used that herb in the past to start yes. to think about how we can use it so you know and of course it uses you know, um, stereotypes, binary stereotypes, you know, if it's uh, a, a feminine, it is going to be, you know, of a softer herb It's going to be like for caring and compassion, whereas mm -hmm. the masculine herbs are stronger herbs. So, you know, again, um, I don't know how much of that people really use or look at, but it's something just to keep in the back of your mind, if you are using herbs, how they have been used in the past. At the end, you have the folk names and the cross-references, which I think is really important because, you know, I know Cincofoil is Cincofoil, but it's also, the folk name is Five Fingers. So, you know, for yeah. some people, that might be all they know. So if you know that, it's like, oh, like going back to Mugwort, it's St. John's plant. How many people know that those two are the same thing? You know, so just, it says Sailor's Tobacco is also Mugwort. So, I mean, Mugwort seems to be the name of a bunch of different things. This is I don't so know. interesting. This is really yeah. important too because sometimes you're looking at like older stuff and like you can see where some of these names come from. People always talk about like once they figured out that um, Newt's Eye and like Tale of Rat and all of that were actually just funny names for herbs, you know, mustard seed right. and et cetera, et cetera. So you, this is a, a great section for trying to determine like historical impact um, right. It's really cool. I, like, I'm just flipping through the pages being interested in. He also splits it up by, like, will. things you might need, like, for vision, for wishes, for money. And you can just, you know, read the whole list of all the herbs that are good for different things. And do you know what the best part of this book is? My absolute favorite part, the thing that I love more than life itself? The bibliography. It's no? annotated. Yes. It's an annotated oh, bibliography. Yeah. Not only does he tell you exactly what texts he uses, but why he used them. Delicious. Mwah. Love it. Could eat it. Want it for breakfast. So this is not the kind of book that you're going to sit down. Well, you might sit down and read cover to cover. I think that it's definitely something that's worth reading the very beginning, what we just kind of discussed, because we're really not going to... Yes. Object to how he's described the, the, the herbs. I mean, it's the description of the herbs. And then, you know, you might want to just start reading because I don't think you're going to be able to remember all this. But it's kind of interesting to read through and then really read the back. This is the kind of book that you want to have on your yes. shelf that you want to uh, refer back to before you go to an herbal shop. This is the kind of book you're going to use, like uh, Gemini said, to create your own spells, not necessarily to look for his spells, but you can buy magical herbalism. And that would be a great, like, you know, partner to this book. I think every witch, even if you think, I don't know if I'm going to get into herbs, that's cool. I think everybody should have it anyway. Read, read it and just have it to yeah. reference because you never know. I think that it's a great book. 
I was honestly surprised and impressed. Um, it's, I, I would call it like herbs 101. It's like the thing that you need if you have even a, yeah. a passing interest. Um, if I were like being really clever, I would say that like this book would have to go into like baby witch kits. Like if you were out there like setting up a library of like what baby witches need to start this book. Absolutely. This book. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And there are a lot of herbal books that are really good. And if you ever want us to share some of our books with you, we could definitely do that. You know, you can just let us know and we'll post them on Instagram. But when you're talking about, like you said, baby witch, just getting started, or even if you've been doing this for a while, you don't own this book. I don't believe it. I think anybody who's been doing this a while has got to have this book. Um, so because you, it's you know good. that and I didn't own this book. I had no, to buy you do this everything book on Kindle. podcast. Oh, okay. No, I didn't own it at all. All right. So here's the question. Are you keeping it? Yeah. Yes, I am. I put tabs in it and everything. Like, I'm very, I'm very ready. Okay, nice. It's so useful. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So this is really all you need. It's almost like your herbal book of shadows could really just be this book. Yeah. You know, all you need are like the spells that you're going to create with them or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, I hope that you guys who read along um, enjoyed it. If you had any questions that you wanted to, you know, ask, you can send them to the DMs and I'll, I'll put them in the stories or even do a post on them. But this was a really fun one. It was, it's a really good book. We definitely recommend it. And I hope that the rest of the books for 2021 are just as good. I'm worried about summer, but that's okay. We have time. We, we just can't seem to get summer right. It's all right. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, yeah. So next podcast is the full moon, which is an interview. Yes. yes. They were both in, which is awesome. We were actually both able yes. to interview this person. Um, Garth, who is a bone reader. So he casts bones and we've been really interested in this for a while. I think we're interested yeah. in, cause it's gotta be the mo- one of the most ancient ways of divination, right? When you think about it. And just like herbs, just like the power that's inside of the herbs, there is power inside of these animals whose bones you're using now for divination. So we wanted to talk to somebody who's an expert in it, who's um, in the past, he's taught classes on it, and he's also part of the World Divination Association. So um, we're going to have Garth with us next time. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, and that is kicking off the interview. It's a really great interview. So I'm I'm really excited for everybody to hear it. Um, Our next book, I happen to know like a responsible person is Familiars, The Witch is Familiar by Raven Grimasi. Yes. Very nice. So that'll be the next new moon. Um, Is there anything else we need to share, Scorpio? Uh, I don't think so. People have gotten their Yule surprises. We've been seeing people uh, post them on Instagram. We're really excited that they love them. And, you know, we just want to keep doing more stuff like that. And, you know, let us know what you like, what you'd like us yeah. even to like look at. If there's a book you'd like us to look at, by all means, um, just know that we're going to be really honest no matter what we think of it. So We do just have a that. couple of slots at the end of the year. Um, so if, if you want a book read, you might even get it done in 2021 if you suggest it to us now. Yeah, because we, we're kind of organized, but we take our time figuring out what we're going to do. So we sometimes... <laughs> Yeah, we have like all these blanks that we always, I mean, we'll fill them in, but you're right. If somebody suggests yeah. something now, then, you know, that's it. So, yeah, just really psyched. New year. New year, same us. Which is good. Oh, yeah, this is the first podcast of 2021. Yep. Time means nothing. I don't know what day I'm living in, so I'm like, this I is know. awesome. I know. Well, thank you all for joining us for the first podcast of 2021. Hopefully this year will be a little better than last year. Uh, Thank you to Sean McShane for our intro and outro music. Again, thank you guys for listening and just being the most amazing audience that we could have ever asked for. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us.
you know, I'm really hyped. I just want to like, come on and say like, you know, and I'm Scorpio motherfuckers, 2021.